Welcome to Ebenezer Baptist Church on August 18th, 2013. Today's message is titled, Philoxenia, Hospitality and Loving the Stranger, by Pastor Ryan Cochran, as based on scripture, Hebrews chapter 13, verses 1 to 3. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that as we hear your word, that you would come and speak to us, Lord, so that you may dwell in us. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. May the Lord be with you. Amen. Throughout the Bible, there are many stories of moments when people met God through an encounter with a stranger. Abraham one day had three visitors show up up at the door of his tent, and he welcomed them into his home. And these three visitors ended up being the Lord himself and his angels. Abraham later encountered the presence of God as he met with Melchizedek, the priest of Salem, The widow of Zarephath was blessed through Elijah, who came to her home, and when she extended hospitality to him, she and Elijah were blessed. In the book of Acts, Philip meets a stranger on the road, an Ethiopian eunuch, and as they begin chatting with one another and talking together about the word of God, these two strangers become friends, the Ethiopian eunuch becomes a believer in Jesus, and Philip learns something new about who God was and about what salvation in Jesus' name meant that he didn't understand before. And then there is the great story of two friends walking along the road together on the road to Emmaus after the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus. These two men were friends and they were trying to figure out everything that had happened that week and what all of it meant. Their Lord had been crucified on the cross. They saw it with their own eyes and now they have heard that his, the tomb is empty. And they're trying to figure out what all of this means and then a stranger walks along the road beside them and begins to explain to them the meaning of all of these events. These two men invite this stranger into their home and they sit down and they have a meal together and as Jesus broke the bread, their eyes were open and they recognized that this stranger was not a stranger at all, that it was Jesus himself. Throughout the Bible, these stories along with commands in the Bible to show hospitality to strangers, encourage us to be the kind of people who love strangers. The Greek word for hospitality is philoxenia. I've written it in the title of my sermon today. Philoxenia, which is a compound word, a word made up of two different words. The first word, philo, coming from the root word that means love. And the second word, xenia, which comes from the word that means stranger. Philoxenia, hospitality in Greek, literally love for the stranger. And throughout the scriptures, there are dozens of these stories where men and women who extended hospitality to a stranger... 
who made space in their lives or in their homes for a stranger, that when they did that, their lives were changed. They discovered something new about themselves and about God. As the writer of Hebrews says in our scripture reading today from Hebrews 13, some of them, as they practiced hospitality, were even known to entertain angels, and they weren't aware of it. Now, growing up in our culture, we are trained to be afraid of strangers, aren't we? We train our kids to be scared of people that they do not know. What do we tell our kids? Don't talk to strangers. We watch the news every day. We read the newspaper. We see the mug shots of these strangers right in front of us. And in these small ways, every day, we learn to be afraid of people who we do not know. But isn't it true that every single day, if we take a walk down the street, or if we go to the mall, or if we take a ride on the bus, that we brush shoulders with hundreds, maybe even thousands of strangers who at the very worst are harmless, at the very least have an amazing story to tell us, and at the very best may be an angel of God with a message for us with a message for us if we are willing to open up our lives to them. It's a shame, I think, that we are trained in the art of phobia xenia, fear of strangers, rather than trained in the art of philo xenia, love for strangers. And as a church, as the people of the Bible, this book that is filled with stories about people encountering God with a stranger, We need to be a people who love strangers. And if that wasn't enough just to have all of these stories, we have command after command after command to love strangers, to be a people who train ourselves and our children to love strangers. Now, are there risks in that? Of course there are. Are there possible dangers for us and for our children if we open up our lives, open up perhaps our homes to strangers? Of course there are risks. Of course there are. I would say that they are very small risks, but yes, a risk, a small chance that our bodies or our children's bodies might come to harm if we practice philoxenia. There is a chance. But the greater risk, the greater risk is choosing not to do it at all and the harm that comes to our souls when we choose not to be a people who practice love for strangers. A couple weeks ago, we looked at Paul's letter to the Colossians and Paul's letter to Philemon and talked about our role as members of the body of Christ. As believers, we are people who are filled with the Spirit of Christ. We are made into members of the body of Christ. And the work that we then do in the world is a completion of the work of Jesus himself. It's not just Ryan doing some good thing. It's not just you going about in the world doing some good thing. It is Jesus himself doing his work through you. Paul takes this idea so seriously that he says in the book of Colossians that in the work that he does and in the way that he suffers, that he fills up in his own flesh 
what is lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions. Paul says that as he suffers, as he carries out the work that God has called him to do, that he is completing the work of Jesus in the lives of the people that he has been called to go and minister to. After the resurrection and after Pentecost, the day when God sent his spirit into the world, God has since that time chosen to make himself known through the body of Christ, through the church. God has chosen to make himself known through you, has chosen to reveal himself through your presence with other people. God wants to make himself known through you, through your acts of kindness and generosity and hospitality, through your words and testimony about who Jesus is in your life. God wants to make himself known to others through you, through your presence with them. We live in a very lonely culture and in a very lonely city. Many people in our city feel like they are surrounded by strangers, and most people here feel like strangers themselves. Not just that everyone else is a stranger, but they themselves feel like a stranger. I've mentioned a few times in the last year uh, the research that was done by the Vancouver Foundation about social connectedness here in Vancouver. People in every city throughout the world often report feeling that they are disconnected with their neighbors, but Vancouver in particular, people report even more so, even more than other cities, they feel disconnected from their neighbors. And so if the findings of this research is true, it's very likely that most of the people that you live around, most of the people that you live around feel isolated, feel disconnected, and desire to have some experience of connectedness and relationship with those around them, but perhaps don't know how to do it. This is a great need in this city. This is a place of hurt in this city. This is a gap in the lives of the people around us that you as an individual or that we as a church are meant to fill through our physical presence with our neighbors. There's a great opportunity here for the gospel for men and women who are willing to practice philoxenia rather than phobiazenia, a community that truly learns and practices love for the stranger in a lonely city like Vancouver will be a breath of fresh air here. In our very lonely city, in this city where people lack social connections, in a city where people lack communities of affection and solidarity with one another, in a city that is filled with newcomers, in a city that is filled with uh, seniors whose children who have moved far away, in a city that is filled with career-oriented professionals who work 50 and 60 hours a week, I cannot think of a more important practice for the church than philoxenia, than hospitality, love for the stranger. If you have closed your Bibles, I would encourage you to turn with me to Hebrews chapter 13, our scripture passage for today. Hebrews chapter 13. Keep on loving each other as brothers. Do not forget to entertain strangers, for by doing so, some people have entertained angels without knowing it. Remember those in prison as if you were with as if you were their fellow prisoner and those who are mistreated 
as if you yourselves were suffering. Throughout the New Testament, we are commanded to show hospitality and love to strangers. In fact, all of the major writers of the New Testament, Paul and Peter and John and the writer of Hebrews, all of them at one point or another in their letters give the command to show hospitality. All of them. So the first thing I want to say to us today is that this is a command. It is not an option. It's not something that some people in the Christian life should do. This is part of what it means to live the Christian life. Our text this morning is from Hebrews 13, 1-3, and it's one of these many places where we hear this command to not neglect extending hospitality to strangers. Now, I want to spend a few minutes talking about what hospitality is not. What hospitality is not, because I think that often our wrong idea of what hospitality is and our wrong idea of what's required in order to extend hospitality keeps people from doing it. I think when many people think of the word hospitality, I suspect the first thing that you think about is a lot of work. A lot of work. In your mind, you start to think about white linen tablecloths, fine china, nice silverware. Often when we think about hospitality, we think about entertaining family and friends. We think of all the work that goes to prepare a meal. We have to go to the store and we have to fix it. We have to get all of the house in order because heaven forbid that somebody sees the way our house really is, right? No way someone's coming over and it being the way that it usually is. So we straighten up. We put our best face forward. Now, a nice meal with family and friends and and, and going all out and preparing a beautiful meal, it's one of the great pleasures and joys of life, isn't it? It really is. But it's not hospitality, at least not in the way that the biblical writers had in mind when they were talking about hospitality. Here in Hebrews 13, what does the writer say right after talking about showing hospitality to strangers? He immediately speaks about prisoners and those who are mistreated. Do not forget to entertain strangers, for by doing so, some people have entertained angels without knowing it. Remember those where? In prison. And those who are mistreated. Prisoners and those who are mistreated don't care about white linen tablecloths and fine china. They don't. They want someone to be there for them. And I suggest to you that in our lonely city, that those around you who lack social connections, they don't care much about those niceties as well. They don't need those things. They need the presence of Christ through his people. Now, if that's your gift, to put on those beautiful lunches and those beautiful meals, and that's part of the way that you express hospitality, do it. There is nothing better than going to a home and seeing something beautiful that someone has created for you. And so if that's your gift, go for it. But if it's not, that shouldn't keep you from practicing hospitality. Hospitality is not about the time and energy draining activity of making our homes look like what they don't usually look like so that we can impress someone who's coming there. Hospitality is intentionally inviting people to be present with us. That's how I want to define hospitality. Hospitality is intentionally inviting people to be present with us. 
So I wanted today to talk about two different kinds of hospitality, just to give you perhaps some ideas about how this could be practiced in your life. And the first is the invitation into your own home. For many of us in our modern world, our homes we see as our castle. We don't have a moat around our home, but sometimes maybe we wish that we did. Our homes are often seen as this place where we retreat to in order to go away, to go away from the world, and that's fine. Our homes should be a place of rest, a place where our families get together, a safe place where we can rest. But what would it mean for us to begin to see our home more, perhaps even first, as a place of ministry? Our homes, especially in Vancouver, whether you rent or whether you own a home, is the place where most of your money probably goes. It's the place where you are most invested in. And so what if your home became your most valuable tool then to minister to other people? What would it mean for your home to become a place of ministry, a place of hospitality, a place where you can extend love for strangers? In our lonely city, where many people lack community and connection, an invitation to someone's home can mean a lot to someone. It can mean the world to someone. It can be a way for you to be a blessing to others. Now, some of you, I know, have a lot of anxiety about inviting people into your own space. That is real for some people. That may be true for some of you today, and there are a lot of probably good reasons for that anxiety. Some of you may think you just have a little place. It's really not a very comfortable place for people to be. It's very small. You really don't feel like inviting people into it, or, or maybe you just don't feel like you have the right personality for it. So it's hard for you really to imagine doing that. If that's you today, I'm not going to let you off the hook. I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you. It may be uncomfortable for you, but you should do it anyway. In faith, you should do it anyway. God has given you that home. He has given you the means to live in that place, whether you're owning it or renting it, and I suggest that he hasn't given it to you only for your sake. He has given it to you as a tool to be used for ministry and service to him and to others. It may be difficult for us, uncomfortable for some of you, but I challenge you to think about it, to pray about it, and to ask, in what way might God be calling me to do this in my life? Now, some of you, of course, simply aren't physically able to do this anymore. I'm not talking to you, okay? Not physically able to do this. We certainly understand there's grace, there's mercy here. But I encourage you, if you are physically able, take the risk. Invite someone into your home, a cup of coffee, a cup of tea, a bowl of soup, and to simply offer to them your presence, your listening ear. Listen to their story. Where did you come from? Who are you? What are you struggling with? How can I pray for you? In this way, we have a great opportunity in this lonely city to be a blessing to others, and for sure, you will receive a blessing by doing it. There is another way to be hospitable. Hospitality does not have to only happen in your homes. In the course of our day-to-day lives, there are many opportunities to show love for strangers, to show philoxenia. I have a friend of mine who didn't feel very comfortable inviting people into her home for whatever reason that may be, and so she began to very intentionally consider how can she extend hospitality wherever she is and wherever she goes. How can I extend hospitality to people on the bus? 
How can I be a hospitable person to people in my workplace? She began to ask the question, how can I intentionally invite other people to be present with me? And she did that, and she has some great stories about how she was able to minister to others sometimes in very small and seemingly meaningless ways, but other times in very profound ways. But it required her to pay attention, to pay attention to the people who were around her that she was brushing shoulders with every day, and to intentionally invite others into her presence. For our anniversary every year, Katie and I have always gone down to English Bay for dinner and then for a walk on the beach to watch the sunset. And we did that again this year. It was sad because it was probably going to be our last time, but uh, we had a really good evening. And as we were sitting on the beach, a young man walked by, and we looked up and we smiled and we just said hi. And he said hi, and then he sat down right next to us. Huge beach. Hi, that was his invitation. <laughs> he came down and he sat down right next to us. Now, I want to be honest, I was a bit annoyed at first. Actually, I was a lot annoyed at first. This is my anniversary evening. It's probably the last time that I'm going to sit here with my wife and watch this sunset. And here he is. Our high was the invitation for him. But when I realized that he must simply want a conversation with somebody, all of a sudden, my spirit changed. And we began to ask questions of him and ask where he came from. He was a hurting and lonely young man from someplace in northern Africa. I believe he was from Somalia, far away from his family, alone in this city, and he was hurting. We had an opportunity to pray for him right there. We talked about Jesus. We encouraged him to find a church where he could make some friends. It was a 30-minute conversation. It wasn't what I had in mind for the evening but it is what God had in mind, and it was good. The willingness to be present with others is an act of hospitality. It's simple, and it can also be profound. In our lonely city, this willingness to engage others, to engage the stranger, can be a transformational, transformational experience for that person as well as for us. Our text in Hebrews tells us that we should not forget to extend hospitality to strangers because in doing so, we are blessed. In doing so, some people have been known to entertain angels and not be aware of it. One of the greatest privileges that we have had as being the pastoral couple at this church is this parsonage that you have given us to live in. Over the time we've lived here, that parsonage, that space that we never could have afforded on our own has been a place where we've been able to invite hundreds of people to stay in our home. Some of them family, some of them friends, some of them complete strangers, some of them Christians, some of them not Christians. Some of them stayed for a night, some of them stayed for a week, some of them stayed for a couple of years. That was, those were some of the best ones. It's become so important to us, this having this space in our home, that as we've considered what next house we live in, it is a requirement for us to have a space where we can have people into our home. I realize that not all of you have been given that gift. All of you can't practice hospitality in that same way, and I'm not trying to you know, make you feel guilty for that. I'm not trying to pat myself on the back here. I'm just trying to tell you our own testimony of this and how it has changed our lives. 
We can tell you so many stories where we have experienced the presence of God through other people who have been in our home. We have lifelong friends who we did not know before until we invited them into our home. Many of these people who came under our roof have been angels, not perhaps in a spiritual sense, although there are a couple of them that we wonder about. But they have been angels to us in the sense that they were messengers of God to us. And we would not be the same people today if it wasn't for the encounters that we had with them. We are called to hospitality, to philoxenia, because through the practice we are able to bless others, and also through the practice we are in turn blessed. And we miss out on the blessing and what God has for us when we neglect this practice. It is a practice that requires a lot of sacrifice. It's an act that requires a sacrifice of our time and of our energy and of our resources in order to have real relationships with these people that are with us. It requires sacrifice. But I want to scoot down to verse 16 in Hebrews chapter 13. After the writer has begun this section reminding us to practice hospitality, he then says in verse 16, Do not forget to do good and to share with others, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. For with such sacrifices God is pleased. It is a sacrifice. It is a challenge. But God is pleased when we make that kind of sacrifice because it reflects the sacrifice of Jesus himself. At the heart of Jesus' own ministry was philoxenia, love for the stranger. Christ emptied himself, became flesh, and dwelled among us. The one who is God, who is perfect, who is as strange to us as could be, became one of us and extended his presence to us and invited us, quite intentionally I would say, to be present with him. What we see in the work of Christ in his life is a life lived in the spirit of love for the stranger. This love went so far that he died on the cross so that these strangers could be in his presence. The cross is the ultimate act of hospitality. It is the act of great sacrifice that turned strangers into friends. In fact, it went further than that. It made friends of those who were enemies of God. We who were his enemies are now his friends because of this act of sacrifice, this act of love for the stranger. It is the ultimate picture of hospitality. And today we have heard some about hospitality, philoxenia, love for the stranger. And if we think of the ultimate act of philoxenia being the cross, then we know that hospitality will not always be nice. It will not always be pleasant. It will always require us to sacrifice. It may even require us to suffer. But when we do, we, like Paul, are filling up in our own flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions. In our own lives, in our own bodies, we are continuing the ministry of hospitality that Jesus himself showed to us on the cross. What is required of biblical hospitality 
is not all of the energy that goes into creating something nice, although that may be part of it, a good part of it. What is required is yourself. What is required is yourself. What is required is your willingness to sacrifice your time and energy and resources to be present with others so that through your presence, a lonely and isolated person around you, an immigrant, a prisoner, an elderly person, a homeless person, a lonely person, the mistreated person around you, so that that person may experience Christ through you and so that you may experience Christ through them. Let's pray. God in heaven, we thank you for uh, this gift of the strangers among us. And Lord, I pray that you would teach us as a people to see them as a gift to us. Lord, I pray that you would give us eyes to see where you are working in their lives. Lord, give us the willingness, the ability, Lord, to invite them and to intentionally give them our presence and our ear. Lord, give us eyes to see the people around us who could be blessed by this kind of act. And Lord, I pray that we would see in our own lives the fruit that comes through this kind of relationship. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.